In this edition of Agency Unfiltered, we have Eric Baum, the CEO and founder of Blue Leads, a Tampa, Florida-based Diamond HubSpot partner. Now, Blue Leads uses EOS, or the Entrepreneurial Operating System, to help unlock growth and achieve powerful results for their clients. If you don't currently leverage EOS, or even if you've never heard of it, you're in luck. Eric breaks it down for us in the Agency Unfiltered studio. He teaches us what EOS is, what it changed operationally for Blue Leads, the results Blue Leads has seen, and the lessons learned while integrating EOS at the agency. Eric then navigates his org chart, what it looked like a few years ago, what it looks like today, and what it could look like in the near future. Blue Leads has been able to successfully scare their team in an effective way, and Eric is ready to share his learnings. Want to embed EOS into your operations? Or are you looking to scale your team? Eric's got you covered. Let's jump in. What's up, Eric? Life is good, man. No worries. <laughs> I'm having a great time at Inbound. Solid. Um, I'm very happy to be here. Cool. Well, we're happy to have you here. Uh, we were just talking. I think it's just, let's just dive right in. Uh, obviously, Blue Leads uh, leverages the entrepreneurial operating system, EOS for short. Um, and you guys have seen some success incorporating that. So I'd be interested to, to learn like what sparked your decision to, to leverage it. Um, and then, oh, how about this? Let's, let's start even, let's go back. That might be a long conversation. Explain what it is, right? Let's pretend EOS is a, an acronym I've never heard before. So let's just talk about exactly what it is. Sure, and you know, this is something I go over with uh, prospective hires of ours, right? Mm. So like our agency operates on two different methodologies. The client service side operates on Scrum or Agile marketing. And most of, you know, most people listening to this will probably be familiar with that. Sure. Um, the back end of our agency or the operations actually operates on what's called the entrepreneurial operating system. So we, you know, kind of stumbled upon it five, maybe six years ago um, when we were about eight people. Um, now we're 28 and it's made a, a world of difference for us. It's enabled us to scale, it's enabled us to find the right people, it's enabled us to have that organization inside the company that enables us to double down on everything. Mm. So the value is there, right? It's impacted the way you guys have been able to grow the team. What exactly did it change about your back end, like your operations? Yeah, so one of the major things, honestly, that um, it did was enable us to look at people at face value mm -hmm. and take the um, take your biases out of things, right? So like. So one of the tenets of it is like, okay, great, you've got a, a people analyzer. Mm. So when you hire somebody or look to hire somebody or review somebody or fire somebody, it's based on this people analyzer. And, and that really goes through um, a couple of different factors that, that get plugged into a matrix for mm -hmm. the people analyzer. But I'd never done that. I'd always been like, oh, well, such and such is doing a great <laughs> job and I really like them and we'll be able to turn them around. And, and honestly, when you're trying to scale a, an agency, it doesn't yeah. work that way. You've got to take that biases out um, and, and try to move forward more on a, an objective level. Hmm. Uh, I would say anytime you incorporate a new process or methodology, like, hey, this is how we're going to kind of run this business, right? There's a ton of work that goes into that, as you probably know better than anyone at this point. If you go back to day one, you're like, you know what? EOS is how we're going to run this agency. Uh, what would you have done different? Or like, what would you tell yourself on day one of that? Um, is there any advice you would go back and give yourself? Yeah, this is really tough. So, uh, you know, anybody that's familiar with Gino Wickman's books, Traction and Get a Grip, and and the the others that uh, followed, will know that like um, there's a couple different people inside the organization. I'm the visionary. I'm the I'm the guy that's like, okay, this is where we're going. We're gonna make yeah. all these things happen. I'm following the squirrels everywhere, right? Like, 
And what I should have done immediately was identify an integrator and elevate that individual into that position. Mm. So fortunately for myself, um, you know, I kind of found her along the way, Brittany Baylog, who's our client services manager. Yeah. She's in that kind of a position right now. And she's been my backbone. And right now, to be honest with you, I've got two individuals that I've been able to leverage in that capacity. Rob Steffens, who's our marketing manager and sales manager, um, they both fit the bill on different sides of the, the agency in mm -hmm. that regard. But I would have found that person that I could have been like, okay, here you see your task with this because I tried to play both roles for sure. a while and it hampered our growth. Now, um, those two kind of like management level roles, client services and then marketing and sales, um, do they handle, like, is it just full time or are they on any accounts? Do they uh, work on any client no, delivery? No, full time. And, and it's, I was just sitting down with uh, Corey, one of our salespeople who's up yeah. here at Inbound, and I'm like, look around. You can see the people that have the headaches because they're on their phone during <laughs> the sessions. And, they're, and I'm like, I don't have that because I've got a good team in place. I trust them. Mm. Nobody's blowing up my phone with issues or problems. I can actually sit back and like take in all the information I'm trying to take in here so that I can be my you know, play the visionary in my company. Yeah, right. Steer so, the ship, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's it's an awesome place to be. I'm yeah. like, I feel this inner sense of peace and like I'm <laughs> meditating with Deepak Chopra last yeah. night. I'm like, this is great. Yeah, you found Zen. Yeah, yeah I did. It's awesome. Uh, now, if I'm a smaller agency, smaller team, handful of folks, uh, from my perspective, like I don't know if I have the luxury of bringing in like an infrastructure role that isn't just being put on accounts. Like, how no. would you, you know, how did you know it was time, or how did you like justify that investment? So we just scaled organically. We didn't, we didn't bring in people and be like, all right, you're in charge of this, and like, you know, you don't have any other responsibilities other than management. Mm -hmm. You can't do that when you're a small agency. Right. So we grew. And I talk to small agencies all the time. I was talking to one last night, and they're at that five-person level. I was like, you get to this like five-person level, and then this eight-person or ten-person level, and then you hit the twenty-person mark. And those are like key benchmarks where the five-person mark, you're like, you're trying to figure out and have everybody do their own like tasks, right? Sure, and yeah. when you're at that ten-person mark, you're not quite big enough to have somebody in a full-time management role, like. You're, you're kind of getting ahead of yourself a little bit in that respect. When you're in that like 15 or 20 person mark, it's time to designate somebody be like, you're in charge of these group of people, yeah. right? Because you cannot do everything your, yourself at that point. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, a lot of agencies I've talked to, like they always like preach the idea of like having a org chart of the future so you can see what your agent do we you do. guys practice that hell yeah we do yeah man. so like how far and how far in the future would do you usually look so eos will say well you need to build that out three years in advance or five years in advance like for us we're scaling pretty quickly so what i do is two-year org chart okay and so that's part of the hiring process as well like i'll sit down with prospective hires and say okay here's where we're going here's what our our filled um org chart looks like right now and so it's, you know, we've got these two client services teams and here's all these other open positions. And that does yeah. a couple different things. It gives them, like everybody wants to join an organization and say, where do I fit in and where's there room for growth? Sure. Because as you're scaling and you're trying to attract talent, the biggest concern that we've found is they, they've hit a ceiling, either financially or professionally in their growth, mm -hmm. right? And so we try to show them visually, be like, listen, here's the opportunities that lie in the future and here's where we want to take things. 
And they take away from that a couple things. They're like, oh, they put themselves in that open box and like, here's what I could fit in now yeah. if I get I mean, Here's hired. my career path, right? Yeah, yeah, here's my career path. And then secondly, they say, these people actually have a plan for the future. Hmm. So they know where they're going. I feel comfortable like getting behind that guy that's you know throwing this up on the screen and says he's a leader of the agency. Yeah, right. So it makes them feel good. Sure, yeah. No, they just, they trust the direction of the business. If you can kind of like, oh, this is where we're going. We know that's the, the plan. Yeah, and yeah. man, you get me in the room with somebody like that. I'm like, listen, this is where we're going. We're going to make this happen. Yeah. Here's where we're going to be in two years. They're like, holy crap. Man. You sell the vision. Yeah, exactly. You sell the vision. Um, so you build out the org chart for you guys two years in advance. Where would you grade yourself out on like actually growing into that org chart? Like, does it does it change? Do you realize like, oh, we thought we would need all of this, but actually we need to reallocate over here. Like, you know, like it, I, I'd always question like, how well can you actually fit into the org chart? Yeah. The so it changes quite a bit, as a matter of fact. And you brought up a good point because um, one of the roles that we didn't identify, we um, early on, like at the beginning of this year, we did our org chart for 2018, 2019, yeah. and we didn't have a design strategist in that mm. role. And so in sitting, you know, first quarter of this year, we really identified some gaps and we talked to the design team. They're like, we need somebody in this position. So we just added that in. Mm. So, you know, I mean, you know, it's all software, right? So you just plug a, a spot in yeah. and you identify. Is it one in, one out? Like, did you have to reduce or just, oh no, no. We, we just know that. Yeah. No, we're like, we, we're going to need to fill this gap. We need to put somebody in, in that spot. And then um, that provides value to them because they've now had an input and they're like, maybe I could do that person, right? which is fantastic. And, and honestly, like we're even thinking about changing org, that org chart right now for 2019 based on some of the things that we've learned over the last couple of weeks here. Hmm. So it's constantly changing. Yeah. Anything in particular that motivated the change or potential changes? Yeah. So um, one of the things is, and it's being talked about a lot, but I, you know, I spent um, a couple of days at HubSpot a few weeks ago sitting down with some of the product teams, and yeah. it's really given me a different perspective on where we want to go. Mm. We want to be that inbound growth agency. We want to incorporate the service and in, in even inbound recruiting and all kinds of different aspects. So for us, we've always been focused on inbound marketing yeah. and sales enablement and services. And so when we're scaling in our org chart, we've got, oh, we've got this team for you know client services on the marketing side. Yeah. And I'm like, we need like an inbound recruiting team. We need an inbound PR team. We need an inbound or like an SEO specialist, deep dive specialist team, yeah. video team, the whole nine yards. So like each one of those pods will grow out. And so, you know, we're 28 people this year. We're looking to scale to 75 by wow. the end of next year. So yeah. like there's, okay. there's yeah. spots open for that. Going from 28 to 75 is going to be a tall order. Yeah. And then you mentioned offering a service of inbound recruiting. Now, obviously, we were just talking, I think, before the cameras were rolling, that like you guys made the investment. And you have your own recruiter on staff. Um, similarly, right? Like, how did you know it was time to bring in somebody dedicated for talent acquisition and recruiting? Yeah. So this is one of those things that you see. You go to these presentations. Everybody's like, "There's the 15 mistakes I made growing." You yeah. Know? Right. And this is one of those mistakes I made two quarters ago. We knew at the beginning of the year we're like. Recruiting's taking up too much time for mm. us. For myself and Brittany and Rob in the management and leadership roles, we're like interviewing people and screening people and it just took yeah. up too much time. So we started interviewing people in the first quarter of this year to fill that spot. Hmm. And then fear took over. We're like, oh, we brought on these clients. We need to hire an IMC instead of a recruiter. Yeah. And so it took, so we, we found the right person, um, Jasmine, back in Q1 of this year. And honestly, it took a conversation with a friend of mine, Zamir, who owns um, Jump Factor up in Canada. Mm. And he was like, I've been in your position. You need to hire that recruiter. Here's why. We were at 22. We hired a recruiter. We jumped to 30 immediately. And no shit. Like, it was the gospel. Because yeah. we hired Jasmine, and we hired seven people in the last six weeks 
Um, we went from you know 22 people or 21 um, people to 28 people yeah. just in the last six weeks. Jeez. It's been phenomenal. It's not even just the volume of candidates, but like your time back, like you know the manager's time back too, right? So it, it's time, but more importantly, if you find somebody that has experience, it's quality of candidates because. Right. You know, anytime you're trying to scale an agency, and everybody listening to this knows, right? It's like, I'm trying to find qualified people. I'm trying to find people without stealing from my friends that own other agencies, yeah, right? right? Yeah. But I, I need to be able to plug that person in right away if we're growing, mm -hmm. um, or I need to find people concurrently that I can train that'll be ready to take on client accounts over the next six months or so. Yeah. And so we're doing both of those. But in order to find those qualified people that can hop in and handle an account for six or $10,000 a month, they've got to be the right kind of people. Yeah. And it's really hard to find those people. It's really hard to find them off of job boards, and it's really time consuming to source them, which is what Jasmine's doing. She's doing a fantastic job. Yeah, that's great. Um, how difficult or like, you know, what's like the, the process for training a recruiter up to speed? Because obviously I think like the practices yeah. of recruitment and sourcing <laughs> but being able to align around uh, what you deem important, what qualities and characteristics you look for, like what does that whole training process look like? So I would like to say that we had a training program built out before we brought on um, Jasmine, <laughs> but the truth is it, we didn't. Sure. We, we, sat, um, we sat her down and was like, here's who we're going after. And she was, a, she was on the phone with people that day. No kidding. Yeah, so you know, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole yeah. of recruiting, but um, she's been a fantastic job. We did not do her justice in the training side of things. Um, we did do a much better job training our like IMCs and copywriters and designers yeah. and bringing them up to speed. But uh, but she kind of got thrown in and she just rolled with it. Now that being said, you know, she came from a company where she made 170 hires in the last 12 months, so yeah. she knows what she's doing. Right. Yeah. So, so I mean, it. it would you say the harder part is being able to do the job, the easier part to just like ever synthesize is, okay, these are the things we prioritize in candidates, you know? Yeah, and getting our culture right, which, yeah. um, which we were lucky that she was a perfect shoe-in for that, um, and figuring out exactly what it is, the requirements that we need, yeah. right? So she did a deep dive with, with Brittany and with Rob, and it's like, we're looking to fill these positions, here's exa exactly the skill set that we need, here's the kind of people that we're looking for, and she just dove in and, and made it happen. It's awesome. At the beginning here, you mentioned that you like name dropped like a, a tenant of EOS really quickly, right? Um, are there any other tenants that, you know, if somebody was looking at EOS or is, is open to it, like what tenants do you consider the most important or most valuable as, as you guys uh, yeah, on the so business? So we're like a lot of people where it's like you read a book and you're like all jazzed about it and you're like, we're going to put this in place. and Business and then, is just reading books and then copying that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like um, one of the main things that we took away from that is like the, weeding, or the, me the weekly meeting schedule. Yeah. Um, and it's called a level 10 meeting. We've modified it slightly because we also do agile marketing and mm -hmm. scrum. Um, but for us on the leadership team, we, we kind of... Um, stay true to that weekly meeting schedule and the agenda associated with it. Mm. And one of the biggest things, honestly, that changed the way we do business is what's called IDS, identify um, and identify, discuss and solve mm. an issue. So like when issues come up, and they always do every single week, um, you identify what it is, you talk about it, and then you solve it, and then that's it. Mm. And you fix the problem. And if you can't fix the problem because you need somebody else's input, then you make that happen immediately. Sure. So you're not cycling the same problem. Yeah, analysis like, paralysis. Oh, yeah, yeah right. this person has not been doing a good job. Well, let's just let that sit for, no. Bullshit. Like it's time to figure out what it is we need to do, take yeah. action on that. We do it every single week. 
and that pushes the complacency back. So mm. it's like, we've got to make this happen. Every single week, we've got action items that we do. Sometimes we don't do it for the next week, but that's you know normal <laughs> yeah, human right. behavior, right? Yeah. So that's made a huge difference for us because it's a, it's pushed us to to keep moving forward. Sure. Who are invited to those meetings? So um, right now, it's the, uh, the leadership team, myself and Brittany and Rob. So oh, gotcha. it's pretty simple. You know, we had it larger for a while, and then when we implemented Scrum and Agile Marketing, we kind of scaled it back because those individuals that were on the leadership team at that point really fit better into their individual teams because they also have weekly meetings. Mm. And, and mo some of those um, same tenets apply to their weekly meetings yeah. as well. How does uh, EOS trickle down to like the front lines, right? Your account managers, is it like uh, the tenets of EOS, is it synonymous with Blue Leads culture? Or like how does it trickle down just all across the entire organization? Yeah, it does. Um, you know, that the problem solving aspect really helps with account management too. Yeah. Because you bring that into your weekly like client meetings, you know, when they're talking about, oh, we've got this issue. Okay, great. Well, let's identify exactly what it is. Let's talk about what our, our um, solutions would be. Yeah. And then like, let's take action on that. So, so that's kind of nice. Um, one of the other things too is, you know, knowing that we're constantly, um, Focused, our agency is focused around core values, which is a huge tenet of EOS. And mm. said, finding the right people, making sure they, um, you know, defining your mission, defining your core values, hiring people, reviewing them, and firing them based on your core values and sticking to those um, helps out a lot. Sure. Because it gives the, the team that latitude in decision making that it's like, hey, this is not doing the right thing or this isn't taking ownership. Like, I need to take ownership and be responsible for this. And so it gives them those guiding principles that affect their daily lives at the mm. agency. What would you say, and let me know if this is secret sauce, but what, what's the number one core value? Do the right thing. Like, it's literally the biggest in our core values, yeah. like our, in our visual. Painted on the wall, yeah. you know? Yeah. So um, that by far is, it's our entire HR manual. Yeah. And I, I tell this to prospective hires, I was like, look, you should have that moral compass. You should know what the right thing to do is. Yeah. You should never come to me and be like, oh man, we made this huge mistake. And I didn't tell the client about it because, you know, I was worried I was going to get fired. Like, no, that should never happen. Yeah, right. You know what the right thing is. You should be doing that on a continuous basis. You, we will always back you up. Yeah. Um, so, and they team, if you ask the team, they'll be like, what's your number one core value? Be like, do the right they thing. They got it. Yeah, like, they right. know. Yeah. Because I say it all the time. And we reward based on that, too. Mm. And we um, acknowledge people based on our core values. Reward, um, what would that look like? Yeah, so like just, you know, simple spiffs here and there. The sure. biggest thing is um, we've got, you know, we're in a big office complex like a lot of people, right? Yeah. And so we've got private parking spots. And we've got one dedicated um, so like most of the team doesn't have a private sure, yeah, right. parking spot, right? But like we've got one dedicated just for core values. So that's somebody awesome. gets it for the month. I um, mean, in Florida, that's a big deal because it rains a lot, yeah, right? right? Like sure. every day it's raining constantly. Yeah. So um, the person who has it for that month has to determine who they're going to give it to mm. the next month based on one of the core values. Oh, that's cool. So whoever has it gets to pass it off. Yep, and they send an email out and they're like, I chose you know Jackie because of X, Y, Z, and she right. exhibited whatever. Um, she did the right thing in this particular instance, and so the whole team gets excited about yeah, that. Awesome. It's pretty cool. Um, just like one or two questions left for you. Um, is there anything uh, from a process standpoint, is there anything that's keeping you up at night right now? 
So we're at that stage right now where like all systems are go, like our client services processes are intact, our team is fantastic, Jasmine's ready to go, she's got a, an enormous pipeline of talent. Yeah. Um, our sales team now, we've got three people on our sales team and they're like cranking. So now it's just a question of like controlling the monster as it starts yeah. to get us to that. The machine assembly. is humming, right? Yeah, just, man. Yeah. So like, that is probably um, my biggest concern and thrill and excitement at the yeah, same right, time. Yeah, sure, right, sure. Yeah. Awesome. Final question. Sure. Uh, I tend to ask this to everybody. Is there anything you would say or like, what is like the strangest part or weirdest part of uh, agency life or being an agency owner? Boy, I didn't see that one coming. Um, I think, you know, for the oddest part for us is how passionate we are about our ping pong games yeah like, nice that's that's probably like we get real and we trash talk yeah like that's when where are the, you on the power rankings so i'm probably fourth down okay from the rest of the team there's uh quite a few people that are much better than me i think they stay late at night to practice, to practice yeah yeah you know i got a wife and kids so i gotta get home like a normal <laughs> person but uh i think that's probably like what is the weirdest thing for me i didn't think everybody would take it like even the people that just started they're like get in they're like yeah. get out of my way i'm gonna crush you yeah right I'm like, like i just wanted to put the table in and, and so just have it there so yeah. the caveat here is like at the ping pong table core values do not apply you don't have to be you know considerate to the next person like yeah. you can trash talk and do whatever you want so you can't lie cheat or steal or anything, well of course but, yeah right right but so i think that's probably the weirdest part Pretty i think solid. all the rest of it i love man i really do it's awesome cool man well that's all i have for you fantastic Good. eric thanks for joining us man we'll catch you Pleasure next time and that's uh it's another agency unfiltered if you like what you watched make sure to subscribe to our agency unfiltered newsletter which will remind you when the next episode drops as well as send you a ton of other helpful, strategically curated agency content. You could also subscribe to our channel on YouTube or podcast on SoundCloud. And if you want to keep the conversation going, tweet me at Kevin underscore Dunn. Remember, keep it unfiltered, stay weird. I'm Kevin Dunn, and I'll see you next time.